Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to this week's programme with Kiri Kermode and Simon Clark. And a good local theme to the programme this week and a lot of food involved. You can't beat the local produce for uh, for the foodies on the Isle of Man now. 100% Manx and the, the Chef of the Year competition. What a great way to showcase it. Yeah, and what was where was that held? At the Isle of Man College this year, we had the semi-finalists um, of the industry chefs and of, also of the student chefs. Right, so a bit of mixture of youth and experience in it. And what was the pressure like? We'll hear from the people involved, but you were there watching it all. Oh, my word, it was very, very intense. But they all had total different takes on, on the recipes and uh, the use of Max produce was just fantastic. Mm. Well, also talking about Max produce, it's the start of the uh, Queen's Scallop fishing season this year as well. Of course, not quite in season enough for the, for the Chef of the Year semi-finals but you never know with the finals coming along and keeping on on a local theme i went to speak to the minister for defa jeffrey boot ahead of the start of the queen's scallops fishing season around the isle of man and uh, he had some interesting um, things to tell us about uh, you know the way that they're looking to protect the fishing industry still and of course they've altered the catch limits so we'll be hearing plenty on that in the program and also the 10-year anniversary of the Isle of Man Farmers Market in the Douglas area and the Villa Marina Arcade. Um, people who've been going for years, people who've been showing produce for years. It's uh, still a lovely atmosphere when you go to that, isn't it? Oh, it really is. And and the people put 100% effort in to bring their wares each week and to have the support of the local community turning up to buy these things. It is just fantastic. So here it is, all in this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, we've got a good local theme on producers that we're talking about on today's Countryside Kiri, haven't we? We certainly have. 100% Manx all the way. Yeah, and uh, 10th anniversary it is of the Isle of Man Farmer's Market uh, side of it, which have been held at the Villa Marina uh, Arcade in Douglas over the many years. And to find out how it's changed over the years and talk to some of the people that have been going for the 10 years and been involved in it as well, I went along to the Villa Marina Colonnade. Well, Sheila Gorn from Poolvash Farms, uh, 10 years on, and I think you were one of the ones here at the start, were you? Yeah, I was one of the original stall holders here at the Douglas Market, along with Jim Middleton down there. I think we're both in the same place as we were originally, so I don't think we've moved any. <laughs> how did it get going? It, it was a bit of a family thing, how it got started, wasn't it? Yes, um, brother-in-law Phil was uh, Minister of DAF at the time, and he and Richard Lowell thought it would be a good idea for, to have something like this for the farmers to diversify and have a cushion of income for when the red meat derogation disappeared. This way the farmers could use the produce off the farm come here and sell direct and have the income going directly back to the farm and no middleman sort of goes cut out the middleman that's it yeah Yeah. but i mean here we are 10 years on i mean what was the sort of mood after the first few months of doing it did you think well it might last a a year or so i think some of us were in for the long term but a a lot of skeptics were thought oh two years down the line and we would have folded but now we've become an integral part of the community. People meet up uh, once a week, once a fortnight, once a month. It's part of the community atmosphere now. Yeah, but I mean, this this one's been going 10 years. I mean, you get to other ones as well that are on. Yeah, we've got five altogether. We've got the Douglas, which uh, in the summer is in Regent Street. 
There's a weekly one at Tinwald Mills and one in Ramsey. Then we have a new one up at Onken, which is first and third uh, Fridays of the month, and then a monthly one at Castletown. What about the stuff you've got here? This has all come from your local farm, and that, that was the sort of agreement when it started, wasn't it? Yeah, we everybody in the farmer's market is an accredited stallholder and agrees to abide by this, a set of rules just to keep everybody on the level playing field that everything has to be locally produced, grown or made. So it is well and truly Manx. Well, Jim Middleton, Nyla Man, Cheapskins, you were one of the first here as well, weren't you? I was, uh, and it seems like a long time ago now. It seems like a lifetime ago. Well, how, how was it when you first started? I mean, in the Isle of Man Farmer's Market, there's the stalls with the jams and the Manx vegetables, and, and you've got... Um, the sheepskins here that we'll go into more detail in a minute. Did you think, well, will it fit in or were you confident at the start? Well, I think like anything, when you've got a new product, you've got to try it out and see how it goes. And uh, luckily it's you know worked fairly well over the years. We're still selling uh, island sheepskins. So uh, it's, been, it's been good. And I think for most producers who use the farmer's market as a, a testing you know, uh, area for, the, for their products, it's a good thing to do. Well, tell us about how, how your operation works, really. I mean, the, the sheepskins you've got on show here, they're from your own sheep, aren't they? Yep, the majority of them are from your own sheep. We breed Manx Lochtons and, and various other breeds, and uh, we have to get them tanned away in England because there isn't a tannery on the island. No, I suppose but, it wouldn't pay, would it? It wouldn't at the moment, but it's something that uh, we look at every now and again just in case we never make it uh, make sense. But like most of these old industries, uh, they've long since died out on the island. At one time, there was you know, be half a dozen tanneries around the Isle of Man, but it's, it's part of the industry that's long since gone, unfortunately. Not lost heart in it then, ten years on at the Douglas one here. It's uh, still still as positive as ever? Yeah, we're just getting started. <laughs> There'll be another ten or twenty years easy. So, uh, yeah, we're just getting started, I think. Well, I've tasted your wares firsthand. Your lemon curd, that is, Dot Price. That isn't all you've got here, and you were one of the... the initial people involved in the farmers market as well and 10 years on how are you looking back on it i can't believe it's actually 10 years from the isle of man farmers market started but i think local people now are getting back to eating local seasonal food and as long as it's fresh and seasonal and they know where it comes from we've all got full traceability and most of them actually have visited our small home so our customers take us on trust they know what how we grow it the taste they've seen it they've tasted it we've actually had some of them have volunteered to come and weed with really? us which is great it's, it's, one, it's one job i hate and um, and we're very lucky so we've built up a good trade and it's nice that so we actually like to encourage more and we would love more young people to join us and see because the Isle of Man has so many good products and really good quality food that you know we should really be self-sufficient it would be nice if we could be but we should be and what have you changed over the 10 years <laughs> not much nothing actually we, we've grown a few different and more more exotic things like you said pak choy doesn't sound very max but it is max grown we grow mi- mixed oriental leaves and things like that but most people like the basics and if you grow a good carrot and a good spud you'll not go wrong and if you have chickens and you have good eggs anybody can make a meal with eggs and potatoes there's always something the omelette's an underestimated <laughs> meal <laughs> egg and chips there's nothing wrong with egg and chips <laughs> well alan tier ballard kelly farms uh, 
you're here on invitation to the Alaman Farmers Walk today, is that right? Yeah, invited for their 10th birthday. Quite privileged to be here. It's a good crowd, a good few people have been back and forth. And uh, we're supplying all three meats here. So it's good to bring a bit of, uh, bit of good Manx meat. Now you've been trying to um, get this thing going on your own farm and promoting it and doing everything yourselves basically. That must be some hard task. We kind of fell into it and it's, it's gained momentum well. We've got some good loyal followers and anything a butcher shop can do, we can do ourselves. We've got our own little kind of uh, white room at home that we cut the animals up in. And now uh, we churn out our own sausage, bacon and any sort of cut of meat you think of will do. We've spoken to some of the people who have been here since the start of the farmer's market. I mean, when you've come in and, and looked around, I mean, is it think that they start 10 years ago you come here today maybe for the first time how does it feel to be in amongst it it feels good it's 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 not all the stereotypical bottles of jam it's there's everything here everything for everybody so it's nice to bring a bit of uh, manx meal it's genuine manx from balakelly and sell it away some of the people involved in celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Alaman farmers market there in douglas at the villa marina gardens and it's great that the there's such enthusiastic emphasis from both sides really the people that have been there year after year even making and selling their own produce and the people there that, that have supported it and just want to put something back to help the hard-working community that's right a lot of hard work does go into turning up every weekend with the wares with the produce even on some years they might not have the best harvest in the world but they'll still be there at their stall for local people to come and buy yeah, that's one thing that they don't see isn't it it's, they see it produced there and on show but the many months of work that's gone in planting carrots and and herbs and things like that and they're all in pots of jam and lemon curd and things like that they've, they've all took time to make and scrub the jars get the little pieces and the elastic bands on the top of them remember <laughs> them with that little paper thing on the top that's them, true and it, doily thing <laughs> but yeah. it makes a difference doesn't it it's something nice about homemade and someone's put a lot of hours into it and and they're usually reasonable prices as well yeah people who've put a lot of work in to perfecting their skills of cooking Manx produce is something that you were involved in this weekend. That's right, it was the big semi-final of the Chef of the Year competition held at the Isle of Man College. So I went along to see the four semi-finalists in action. Right, you probably guessed uh, by the length of time we were all outside that how difficult a decision this has been to make. So I'll just come straight out with it. The two people going forward to the Chef of the Year competition at the uh, festival in September are Sam and Marcus. Well done. Audrey, yeah, a very successful semi-final here today for the Chef of the Year competition. It must have been daunting for them. It is, and to be honest, every year it is a real struggle. The standard is so high. It was pleasing this year to see so many uh, pork recipes and they're using Andrus meats. So it really, they really are keeping it local. And I see that the Manx section is a big point scorer. So is it something they have to really concentrate on when they choose their recipes? Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, there's 15 points given alone just to the use of Manx produce. And we do look to see them putting um, Isle of Man Creamery's milk, the butter, Laxaglen Mills flour, 
and saying where the meat actually come from, you know, not just the butcher, but actually... The actual farm, The actual even. farm, really, which we weren't able to do years ago, but we are now. But today you've had the industry chef section and also the student chef. You know, yes. they're very young coming up through. Yeah, it's great experience for them. What we see is that um, if you sort of sow that seed early enough with these young chefs, they then go on into the restaurants and they've, they can sort of tune into using the Manx food and that's what this competition is all about, is to get that seed sown early, really. Paul, you're one of the main sponsors of the competition here today, but you also had a very difficult task as a judge. Yeah, very difficult. I mean, the standard of cooking today was absolutely superb. Uh, the students this morning, the guys this afternoon, it's... It's been so difficult to decide who's going to win. I mean, the standard of cooking, the standard of food on the Isle of Man is absolutely incredible. There's some amazing people right now cooking on the Isle of Man. Do you think it's essential for the hospitality and catering industry to have competitions like this? Absolutely, because it, it showcases not only the local talent, but all the variety of local food that we have available all through the year on the island. There are some incredible dishes available right now, incredible chefs, great restaurants, and these events really showcase our talent. And today, what were you looking for in particular? Like, there's so many colours and varieties of produce used. It must have been so difficult. Yeah, so many flavours, so many different colours, presentation, technique, use of local produce as well. We were looking at all those things. I mean, yeah, they all absolutely excelled, absolutely excelled, so it was such a difficult decision. But uh, as main sponsors of today, it's a credit to the island. Very much so, very much so a credit, yeah. Like I said, there's, there's such a, an, an abundance of talent, such an abundance of local produce available. These guys really need to be supported all, all year round, you know. It's, I'm very much looking forward to the festival in September. Sam, Kelly, you've been very successful here today going through to the finals of the Food and Drink Festival Chef of the Year competition. How were you today? It's the first competition that I've done, uh, so healthy nervous, I think, was, a, was the right thing. But yeah, it seems to go well. And there's a big factor of using Manx produce. How did that come about in your recipe? So I used the meat from uh, Andrea's Meat Company, which is very local. It's very, very accessible. You can get it in any sort of shop right around town. I'm not sure Robinson's do it as well. And then... Um, apples, um, all the Manx dairy products that I use, butter and cream, uh, so quite a lot of the majority of my ingredients probably uh, made the dish today. You chose a certain dish for today, Sam. Yeah, I chose uh, bourbon spiced pork to tan, caramelised apples, smoked bacon and walnuts. And that was served with a uh, Manx honey and bourbon sauce. Oh, it looks absolutely wonderful. It's a shame that our listeners can't see it, but it is just, just looks gorgeous. And do you do these recipes at home? Do you practice? This particular uh, recipe today... Um, I designed for a chalet company in France, which I, I designed the menus for them. So I was playing with an idea of that. Just wanted to make a savoury sort of uh, take on the dessert. So I just added the smoked and the pork. And uh, yeah, it seems to come together quite nicely. Marcus, you're through to the finals now in September. What was your recipe here today? It was a nomi pork, which is a pressed belly pork with balakali farm black pudding, balakali pork and some comfy fennel. And is this one of your favourite dishes? Pork is my favourite favorite meat. It's one of the nicest, it's got all the flavour, but it's highly mostly it's, it's a really good local produce and you can't sort of let that kind of produce slip you by. Yeah. I mean, it's well looked after and so you appreciate a good product at the end of the day. And was the competition difficult today? Yeah, I mean, all competitions are difficult. There's a lot of, lot of really, really good dishes, so you sort of have to make sure you pull it out the hat to, to do it and everybody... Did really, really well. So it's, it's. I think it's a, 
is a credit to the island. I think in a, in a way that we're sort of moving forward, where sort of food has moved a long, long way for us, since I've been here anyway. This is it. And, and do you have your own restaurant at home? Yeah, we have. We've got our own little uh, cafe in Laxi called Neutra Cafe. So, so you get lots of time to practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, sort of, but not really. But um, so we all work together with Melda's son as well. Oh, so it's, it's a just, real family business. So, yeah, it's all, all four of us involved in it. Tony, it's been a good day of competition here at Isle of Man College. It has. It's been great. It gets better and better every year. Grows and grows and grows. The standard, I think, is, is being raised every year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard, though. For the chefs watching us, us watching them, yeah. getting, stressing them out, it must be very difficult. I wouldn't like to do it. There's a lot of pressure in there today. Yeah, on, on all counts, yes, yeah. But the food was very, very good. The yes. four dishes at the end, they were yeah. impeccable. Yeah, absolutely. Especially Sam's was, was absolutely incredible. And so was Marcus's. I can't, you know, knock them out. They all were good. But they certainly followed your intention of using Manx produce. Yes, I think they all used pretty much 99% Manx. There was one, one of the contestants used 100% Manx. Wow. Yeah. This is yeah. what you've been striving for yeah. with this competition. I didn't use salt, because it's <laughs> but apart from that, yes. But it is, yeah, that's what it's, it's, it's about the showing off the skills and also showing off the levels of food that's available on the Isle of Man, the high quality food we have on the island, yeah. So we look forward to September then, Tony. Yes, yes. That was the judges, Tony Quirk, Audrey Fowler and Paul Casley. And finalists, Sam Kelly and Marcus Purcell. Well, uh, a long afternoon in a hot kitchen environment rewarded uh, by the people there with their Manx produce putting on show to get to the finals of the Isle of Man Chef of the Year competition, wasn't it? That's right. The afternoon was very intense and uh, the presentation of the four dishes was just immense. The colour and the texture and the use of the Manx ingredients was just really good and I can't wait to see what they do in the final in September. Yeah, and of course we've promoted the the Manx um, fish produce over years and different types of the seasons and of course the Manx vegetables and uh, even Manx ale and, and spirits is getting involved in it now and they've some of them have been going a few years and been mentioned but of course it's nice to see something new as well the balakelly meat has been recognised and that was used as well for one of the dishes too that's right one of the finalists he used the balakelly pork belly and uh, black pudding and that's gone through to the, to the final. It was really, really nice to see. Tense environment, as you mentioned, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it really was. There was some pressure and, and the sweat was rolling. But, uh, yeah, they were super, super chefs. <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, the Queen's Scallop season got underway on the 3rd of July and uh, over recent years there's been, well, some people maybe flouting the rules a little bit and the amount of catch have been changed. And I went along to speak to the Minister for DEFA with his fishery hat on to point out that there have been more changes this year. This year we started a new combined scallop board. We went to them, consult, find out what we were going to do about catch limits and how we were going to manage the fishery this coming year and under the chairmanship of Walter Crozier from Northern Ireland uh, they came up with uh, a list of recommendations for the coming season and these were came about as a board there are fishermen there are processors and the conservation side Bangor University so it's a it's a combined board that looks at the science as well as the commercial aspects and they came up with recommendations the story is not that good in terms of stock. Stock has declined. It's been declining since 2013 
and it's a fairly low level. But is that cause of overfishing, or just the way that currents and things which affect them? I think uh, if you look at how stocks increased up to 2013, effort also increased. So there was a lot more fishing going on. And obviously that has a deteriorous effect on the stock rates. They've just dropped dramatically from 2013 and they have not really recovered. So we have reduced effort. There are less boats fishing now and we've introduced bag limits so that there are less fishing going on generally. And this year, sadly, we've had to reduce the amount of catch again from just under 1,250 tonnes to 992 tonnes. But that was more than Bangor were recommending in conservation terms, but we felt that we needed to set a limit that was reasonable, balancing commercial interests against conservation interests. We've taken it a stage further, that we've made a commitment in future that we will neither reduce or increase the bag limit by more than 20%, so that fishermen at least have something to aim for and will have a, a sustainable industry. How difficult is it with the way the fishing industry is? I mean, it's 900 and something tonnes in total. Is there going to be the situation where certain boats and certain companies will go out and fish as much as they can and get more than maybe the little ones? Well, we bought in a fairly restrictive licensing regime based on historic catch. And the number of vessels fishing in our territorial sea has gone down uh, in 2015 from 138 to 49. And I'm pleased to say that uh, 60% of those are Manx-based vessels, which is good news. And some of those vessels that are able to fish in the waters don't, and we've asked for voluntary uh, voluntary not fishing. So we've taken some quite strict measures to make sure that we have a sustainable industry. Now, you're right, will some boats decide not to catch? Some will, I think, because they may think it's not worth catching that amount, which will help give more sustainability and resilience to those that are catching. That attack limit is sufficient to keep the industry afloat. And you have to remember that when queenies are in short supply, the price goes up. So less can sometimes equal more. So we'll have to see how the season develops. I think I've heard before that it's fairly strictly monitored, though, what's what's going on, isn't it? Well, enforcement is key to stock conservation. Let's be honest, if the fishermen fished it out, there will be no queen scallops in the future or not a, a sustainable industry. So enforcement is key. Two issues that came up under the recommendations were that we should lift the weekend ban on fishing well the department decided that that was not a good idea because at least it restricts effort over the weekend and yeah but isn't that difficult with the manx weather well that, that also plays to our hand in a way because if you can't fish at the weekend you have to take the opportunities when they arise of course the queenie season is over the summer period so there is more likelihood that people will be able to be out there fishing and the other thing that we've retained and i don't think some fishermen particularly like this, particularly those that aren't based on the Isle of Man. We want them to report daily to port for catch reporting and checking that they are actually catching the amount they say they're catching. And of course, uh, this year we have a new captain on the Barul and we're up to strength uh, crew-wise, so our enforcement ship will be out there. I always hear people talking, I know we've had a few incidents last year of undersized ones being caught and people abusing it and they get fined a few thousand pounds i mean a lot of people in the general public who maybe not anything to do with the fishing industry may not think it's enough maybe 
take the boat off them if they're going to blindly abuse it. Well, we have to be a bit careful. Sometimes people do make genuine mistakes. They fish in the wrong place. But there, there are obviously those that deliberately go out to break the rules. Last year, we came down fairly heavily on a, a number of those. And one in particular from Northern Ireland uh, got fined £26,000 plus their catch confiscated. That's a reasonable hit. But then others will say, well, if you take the king scallop season start, uh, boats were catching tens of thousands of pounds worth of scallops. So a fine of £12,000, £15,000 doesn't dent that much. I would prefer to see their licence removed to fish permanently and uh, we are looking at mechanisms for doing that. The Isle of Man though has been pretty proud of its care really of its marine area around the coast isn't it? I think uh, we are one of the best jurisdictions within the, the Great Britain context. Uh, we certainly have a lot of science going on, we know what's going on in our waters and we have a number of conservation areas and we are now looking at ways of managing no fish zones within the fishing areas in a more practical way because what's happened in the past is we've closed an area then we open it and then everyone goes mad and everything gets fished out not everything but uh, the majority in a very short while so we're thinking of perhaps restricting access to some of these areas and opening them partially so that we can allow scallops to remain and obviously perform breeding stock for the future. How are the fishermen taking it? Well, it's difficult. I, d I don't speak to them directly all the time. Anecdotally, I think they understand the measures uh, that we're taking are for the good of the industry as a whole. They were involved in the decision-making process through the scallop board, not just Manx fishermen, producers and also uh, processors, but Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England. So they all have had their input. So the decision is partially theirs. I have to make the final decision, or the department does, through me as to bag limits and weekend bans and, uh, and curfews or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think most of them are buying into what's happening. Well, I mean, obviously some fishermen will think, you know, well, is it worth it? We may be only breaking even if that's the way. I mean, is there, is there any other types of fish in the Irish Sea left? There are indeed. We have quota available quite a lot of quota for some other species for under 10 metre boats and under 10 metre boats are the sort of boats that fishermen are fishing from in Manx waters. We are offering grants now and some fishermen are diversifying into other types of fish but it's a process that we need to help along the way and the producers association they need to explain this quota is available and it can be fished for and there are substantial amounts uh, in tonnage terms available and some of these fish species are there to be fished and one of the big complaints i hear from our local restaurants uh, is that they can't buy local fish scallops yes whelks if you like whelks a few prawns but not what i call fish fish uh, while we're talking about it, the whelk fishery has uh, developed substantially over the last few years and last year I believe over a million pounds worth of whelks were, were exported from the Isle of Man. We've just recently let some more pot licences. I understand that they're all Manx fishermen taking them up so we're trying to sort of keep that local as well. The Minister for the Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture, Geoffrey Boots, telling me about the new limits that have been changed for the start of the queen scallop fishing season and they're keeping an eye on it Kiri, trying to wangle out as mr boot said there you know people 
you know, just maybe abusing the system a little bit and great that the, the boats will have to come to Manx Shores to show and get their catch weighed and things like that. It's moving forward, I think, in the right direction and the way that they're trying to protect it and getting seemingly the back and off of the fishing industry and so that they've got a future in it that's right it must be very difficult to police you know it's a big sea around us and uh, the Beryl does have a, a tough job the policeman to... can't swim that well, can <laughs> <he>? <laughs> to keep an eye on it all but uh, with the the trackers and these systems put in place hopefully it will protect the, the scallops for years yeah, to come it's a big big industry in the Isle of Man and of course um, as he was saying uh, the whelk industry there may be things moving forward with that and uh, other parts of the industry where, they, where they're always in talks with them so they just want to keep that future ahead for the fishing industry and their sons and daughters that may want to go into it in the future, which is good. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, I'm absolutely starving listening to this week's programme, Kerry, because uh, the local food, and you can just see all them fresh carrots i can just picture them that we used in the in the chef uh, of the year semi-finals at the college and all that stuff that's on show at the farmer's market uh, around the island and i still love them little jars of the homemade jam with the little some of them have li- like little miniature uh tea cloths on the top of them don't they with elastic band around them that's it people do make an effort don't they to you know point of difference and just yeah how can you keep reinventing something but they really do and it's just super what we have here on the island it is and of course uh, jeffrey boot the minister for defa there tells about the changes um ahead to the start of this year's queen scallop fishing season and just um you know trying to gather the support that to try and keep that industry going without you know, it failing like other places have done and fish them out. So, good. I enjoyed this week's programme. It's nice to, to hear it from the from the local people and the people that are using it, isn't it? Yeah. There's still hope. And uh, there's hope that we'll be back next week as well with more from the countryside. From me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.